All right, welcome everybody to episode two of Conversations with the Mind. I'm your host, Shane LeMaster. Um, thank you to those listeners who listened to our last and first episode. Um, it's great to see you guys active on there. Um, more and more good stuff to come. So anyway, um, this is the second episode of Conversations with the Mind where we talk to interesting people and, and try and, um, you know, see how they're choosing to contribute um, to the collective consciousness and how they manage to navigate their own individual consciousness on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, I feel like we can all learn from each other um, and through our own struggles, um, you know, come up with better ways to, to overcome hardships. Um, so this is the second episode, and uh, today's guest is Aaron Molnar. He's a good friend of mine, um, a former, um, or he's, a, he's a Marine Corps veteran and owner of Maniac's Gym in Fort Collins, Colorado, 24-hour access weightlifting. Um, he's been a good friend of mine for the past couple of years. We, we first started hanging out um, because of a similar interest in shooting and lifting, obviously, um, but it's grown since then, and uh, we've gone on lots of adventures and done lots of cool, uh, you know, cross-training things with each other. Um, so I just thought he'd be an interesting guest to have on today. Um, but before we get to that, um, I just want to remind everyone that we are sponsored by Mind Ops. Uh, that's my private counseling um, private practice, and you can find us at www.mindops.com. That's M-I-N-D hyphen O-P-S dot com. Um, there, you know, we, we specialize in sport and performance psychology, but we're also licensed addiction counselor um, as well as general psychotherapy. So if you need any um, mental health services or any sort of performance enhancement or mental training through mindfulness, um, that you want to add to your repertoire, uh, add to your mental game, let me know. You can contact us at, on the website. Um, so this being the second episode, this is also the second installment of our good news um, section of our podcast. So in good news today, um, I just wanted to bring to everybody's attention that um, as of Earth Day this year, um, there, there's a, a teenager. Um, I think he's, yeah, he's from... Um, He's Dutch, so he's a Dutch genius, a uh, young teenager, and he's invented a pretty clever way to clean up the oceans. Um, he's invented this, this machine that patrols um, uh, the ocean and, and cleans up all that melted plastic that we all tend to forget about uh, once we throw it away. Um, so I'm glad somebody's finally working on that. Uh, I know it's too big of a job for myself to tackle. Um, I'm not smart enough for that, but I'm glad somebody is. And um, also in good news, um, puppies are still being born every single day, and uh, we love we love those puppies. They, they give us some, um, some good anxiety relief. I know I do. So, um, without further ado, uh, here's my uh, my guest today, Aaron. Hello. And um, yeah, we're going to talk about conversations with the mind, what that means to him, and um, just go from there. This is a free form conversation. So. Just right off the bat, what does that what does that title mean to you when um, when you hear that conversations with the mind? I feel like it has a different meaning for everybody. Well, it resonates with me. Um, it's my first time hearing it right now, but <laughs> I have uh, today. I would I do a lot of self evaluation. I've had uh, this past five years have been probably the most challenging five years of my life, and I I just come to this realization like wow, this has been really hard this past five years. You know, I opened my gym and I moved here and. Um, when I moved to Colorado to open my gym, you know, I figured my life was going to take off like a rocket. Instead, more and more challenges started cropping up, and I started to let myself get beat down. And so instead of letting it beat me down, I'm trying to figure out ways to combat that. Mm -hmm. So I have conversations with my own mind. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, today I was thinking that we have two people inside of us, mm -hmm. the right person and the wrong person. Mm -hmm. We oftentimes give way too much uh, microphone time to the wrong person, the one that says, go ahead, sleep in another 10 minutes. You know, yeah, you know, the right person, hey, we need to go train. The other one says, well, it's so comfy in this bed. We'll just give another, you know, and th the wrong one usually wins. Sure. You know, Why I, is that? Yeah, hit that snooze one more time, one more time, one more time. And, you know, um, relationships go awry and you're like, oh, gee, I want her back so bad. But then the right one opens their mouth and says, hey, 
you know, she wasn't right for you for this reason and this reason and this reason. And it's just a no, you know, a no brainer. Come on, dude. Then the other one pops up. Oh, but she's so pretty, <laughs> you know, and you listen to that one the most. So conversations with the mind. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Callie and I were talking about this on our last podcast, how we have these, these discussions with ourselves and sometimes mm -hmm. they're, they're audible. Sometimes they're yeah. loud and people can misperceive that as psychosis or whatever, but I get caught a lot because I right? minor out, out loud and I'll be walking down the sidewalk and I'm really into <laughs> right? this one issue. It's really bothering me and it comes out loud and I, I right. look around, Oh, somebody in their cars yeah. <laughs> looking at me like I'm a crazy person. So you talk about this, this idea of self-evaluation mm -hmm. and I feel like that's a huge it's a huge piece of consciousness in general. That's, a, that's an ability that we as human beings um, have that is pretty unique. You know, yeah. I don't know if other animals have the ability to, to self-evaluate mm -hmm. the way we do. And it seems like with this great gift that mm -hmm. we have, also, you know, not many people out there I see are doing it. You know, not right. many people are evaluating their right. position. They're just complaining. They're just saying, you know this is what I was handed in life and, and it's somebody else's fault rather than taking right. a good hard look at themselves right? Um, and addressing both right. voices, yeah. the good voice and the bad voice. Absolutely. And if it is somebody else's fault, that other somebody else is not going to come along and fix it for you. Right. You're the only one in the driver's seat. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to, uh, to talk more about that evaluation process and um, what, what sparks for you, what, what gets you to, I guess what, what motivates you to want to turn inwards and, and look at that? Because it's a scary thing to do. Well, it's actually during scary times. Um, usually when I'm feeling guilty about listening to the wrong voice. Um, you know, I should be lifting you know, eight days a week. I don't. Um, I start feeling uh, guilty about letting the other voice take control. Um, then I start self-evaluating. How am I going to get out of this? Usually once I'm in the hole. Um, sometimes when I'm on top of the world, uh, everything is going great. And then we stop self-evaluating and trying to figure out how to stay on top of the world. And then we start, we start backsliding a little bit. It's like, oh, wait, 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 how do I get back out of this? I can share. It's like, oh, geez, I'm really in a corner now. And you really start thinking about it. It's almost like complacency will, will get you killed there. Yeah, it gets you in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. I find that, um, for me anyway, the two areas of my life where that provide me the most opportunity for self-evaluation is my time on the mat in jiu-jitsu, for okay. sure. Because our ego's getting beat down all the time, right? Sure. We constantly have to not only sure. evaluate our physical presence sure. in relation to an opponent, but also we, ha we have to evaluate, you know, am I willing to put myself through this challenge mm -hmm. knowing that I could just tap out and, and go take a, a seat on the side of the mat, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a constant self-evaluation, ego getting stripped down, being humbled every single day, getting beaten. There's always somebody better than you. And right. I feel like that's a good self-evaluation. It's a good, healthy venue for me to do that. The other area of my life where I feel like I get the most opportunity is in my psychedelic journey um, because for some reason mm -hmm. those medicines really open up my mind right. to to allow me to, to let down those defenses that are usually up mm -hmm. uh, that tell me, you know, this is scary. Don't look at, at the truth of yourself and don't right. go deep into that evaluation. Right. Keep telling yourself these lies. Right. But the psychedelics just blow that out of the water and it's like, you're going to see this. Now, I've tried, I can count on one hand a number of times. I've tried this and I've been amazed every single time. And the last time. Tried what? Um, the psychedelics. Okay. The uh, mushroom. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> And I was having a horrible day. And I thought, I'm going to try this. And it turned out to be one of my best days. After, you know, everything uh, kind of kicked in. And I just started. I noticed that the fear. We have, you know, we live in constant. There's little fears in our mind. Uh, the little roadblocks or the walls that have been put up. Those come down. And I'm not afraid to face the world alone. Or whatever the problem is. And then you can start seeing things you already knew, but now it's it's right in front of you in black and white. And it, it just amazed me how how it allows you to see mm -hmm. things that you already knew without the emotion, without the fear, without the anxiety. Um, Almost like it, it allows you to disconnect from that part of yourself that, that says this is happening to me. Yeah, and just exactly. It lets you pull out into almost right. like a third-person observer right. yeah. to see this is what's yeah. actually going on. It melts away, at least in mind, uh, the negative emotions, mm. the uh, the anchors. I don't know how else to describe mm. it. You know, that you know, we go through life, it feels like we're wearing 10-pound you know, shoes sometimes. Mm -hmm. 
and it's sinking in the mud. Well, yeah, those, those psychedelics, they really help. You, you're not in the mud anymore, and you can see things as they really are without, uh, you know, feelings of apprehension or, or despair or depression. You just see it. Oh, okay, that's how it is. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, I didn't, I kind of knew that all along, but now I see it so plain. And then once once they were off the concert, it's still there. You can see it like, okay, you, you can refer back to that. Mm-hmm. So you bring something back with you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I was just teaching, um, for, for those of you listeners out there, I was just teaching this, uh, this concept about, it's called the hero's journey. It's a Joseph Campbell uh, concept. He was a psychologist back over 100 years ago who came up with this idea of the hero's journey through his studies of, of different cultures you know, across the world and across time. And he, find, he found that everyone has this, this um, particular sequence of events that happens in this journey. Mm-hmm. And as part of the journey, once you face this major ordeal, um, so to speak, um, usually that's represented by an internal fear or you've mm-hmm. overcome some sort of mm-hmm. anxiety and you come out of it with some re- some reward, some elixir that mm-hmm. you get to bring back to the world to right. help change not only yourself but change other people too. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that ties right back into what, what this podcast is all about is, you know, not only are we learning and on a constant journey about self-discovery, but we can use these tools that we gain mm-hmm. and these insights we gain about ourselves to go beyond ourselves, to help everybody else on the planet, right? Mm-hmm. To, to um, not just keep it all for ourselves in a selfish way, but to spread it. Well, not only that, the best way to learn something is to teach it. Right. So if, if, I, if I run across someone who's having a hard time, um, I, I jump at the chance to try to counsel them a little bit and tell them about my own journey and my, my struggles and what I found that works and what doesn't. And as my words... They're bouncing off of them and coming right back to me. And now mm-hmm. I'm a little bit stronger now, too. Yeah, totally. So it helps everyone. I mean, trying to help out is helping. Do you ever run into um, people who, you know, I know you come at it with a good intention, but, you know, you start offering advice and then people are just really resistant to that, maybe because they don't want to face that part of themselves. They don't want to engage in that self-evaluation or, or they don't like hearing that reflected back to them what someone else has seen. I suppose. Um if that's happened, they've been pretty polite about it and just kind of nodded. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really, you know, I, I'm not a counselor and I don't go about seeking these things. It's usually close friends that are having a really hard time. And say, hey, you know, this would help me. And um, if I'm offering advice, someone's probably pretty pretty down the tubes and they're willing to listen, mm-hmm. you know, at least, at least consider. Um, yeah, I haven't really run into a whole lot of resistance, but then again, I don't have a whole lot of experience. Okay. Um, what about... Um this concept you're talking about with the good person and the bad person. Mm-hmm. You can talk the right one and the wrong that. one. Yeah, right and wrong. Because in our last podcast, Callie um, <clears throat> referred to it uh, sort of as a metaphor of feeding the good wolf or feeding the bad wolf. So whichever okay. whichever wolf you feed, mm-hmm. negativity, okay. negative thoughts, or positive thoughts, that's mm-hmm. what's going to grow, right? Uh, right. Whatever feed you, yeah, whatever wolf you don't feed, kind of withers away. Sure. Um, that that kind of ties into <clears throat> what I was talking about. Um, when I talk about the good person, the bad person, yeah, you got the bad wolf there. You know, if you're thinking, if someone has hurt you, maybe unintentionally or intentionally, um, there's definitely the wolf is there and he's hungry and you can feed that wolf. No problem. Um, and we're talking about things like retaliation, revenge, yeah, resentment, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, like a relationship goes awry or someone has, you know, disrespected you, maybe not intentionally, but. They just definitely didn't care if they did just, you know, mm-hmm. disrespect you or hurt you, whatever. And, you know, when we feel pain, I was saying this to someone a little while back, you know, pain, uh, you know, it leads to anger. And anger usually leads to action, mm-hmm. you know. So when someone hurts you, um, especially if it's unintentional, stop. Don't feed that bad wolf. Don't listen to the bad person. Say, look, you know, there's a person too. They got their own life choices. They're on their own journey. You know, if they didn't intentionally hurt you, you know, we're all, you know, I, I can see us sometimes, you know, as people, it's just little balls of light with a bunch of cells around it, and we can move around. That's what's inside of us. A tiny little ball of light. You know, maybe, is it a real light? Probably not, but it's a ball of energy. You know, that's how it's represented in your mind. Right, right. You know, and you're, you're just a ball of energy, and we're all children at heart. Um, and, you, you know, you stop and take a step back and feed the good wolves. Say, you know what? Don't, don't, let it, don't let it get under your skin. Help them if you can. You yeah. know, that's something I'm trying to engage these days too. Is um, 
and this came from a psychedelic journey that I took recently where um, I was shown myself mm -hmm. uh, as a young child, like three or four, just scared to death, crying in a corner. Yeah. Um, I can remember this memory very vividly. I locked myself out of our hotel room um, on my aunt's wedding. So all the adults were gone. They were partying <laughs> and the babysitter fell asleep, locked myself out in the hallway and it was completely empty. It just seemed like it went on for forever, infinite. Oh man. And I just curled in a ball and I felt like, um, I wanted to implode, sure. you know, crying and screaming. And this was shown to me again in my vision and I fully relived it. Wow. And what I, what I brought back from that is that we all have this scared child inside mm -hmm. of us. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's where a lot of our mental health issues come from. Our, Anxieties or depressions, you know, a lot of them stem from traumas as sure. a child. Even sure. things like that just imprint in mm -hmm. our in our cells and in right. our mind. And um, so I try and do the same thing. You know, when I see somebody who comes at me with anger or comes at me out of fear, I try and not react to it. Right? Mm -hmm. Taking that pause is so so that big. That pause and, is so huge. And I want to talk about that in a minute. But what I do is after that pause, I try and imagine them as a little kid. You know, a little sure. scared, scared kid. That okay. We're all a scared kid inside. Yeah. And then usually when people come at you with anger, they're the ones hurting the most. They're sure. the ones that need sure. the hug the most, sure. you know. Sure. And it really seems to help, right. um, especially with with uh, my my own anger and retaliation, right? Right. But that, that pause, right? Let's go back to that pause. That pause. Let's talk about what you do during the pause. And then uh, wow. that's, that's so important. That's the piece that I think most people are right. missing. That they're just so reactive. Right. Uh, rather than responsive. Right. Right. Um, well, that pause, where I am, uh, just remembering to pause is 90% uh, of the battle. Uh, a lot of, you know, even real recently, just like, man, I really should have stopped. I should have stopped and thought for five seconds before I acted or reacted or let the emotions get a hold of me. So just remembering to pause, in my opinion, is 90% of it. Mm -hmm. You know, once you got that pause, you know, now you're on easy street. Now, now you're not going to, you know, they say, you know, silence is golden. Well, don't open your mouth too soon or, you know, or make that big reaction. Um, once you have that pause, uh, you're almost home, right. to, you know, so you don't create a, a negative situation. Yeah, it seems like when we react. Uh, it's instant. It's instant and we're always cleaning up a mess afterwards. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so this, the, that pause really helps yeah. prevent making a mess in the first yeah. place. Right? Yeah. You know, I, I wish that I had like a heads up display or, you know, some kind of, I don't know, you know, some kind of technology or, you know, invisible friend to, to hold up the sign and say, stop, you know, stop Forrest, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so part of my self evaluations is you know, a lot of times I think about, you know, mistakes that I've made, sometimes big mistakes. It only took three seconds to create a huge mistake. Yeah. That, you know, takes months or years or is impossible to repair. Yeah. And it only took me, you know, one minute to create it. And now for the rest of my life, I'm, you know, feeling guilty or, you know, I, you know, I burned a bridge um, or I've made someone else afraid and, you know, they don't trust that I would be cool, calm and collected all the mm -hmm. time. You know, I, I need to be, see myself as a higher being. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So just remembering two pauses. And that's the hard part. Yeah, I see the pause as, as making the difference between reacting out of emotion, mm -hmm. right? Which right. tends to get us in trouble. Yep. Um, unless we're coming from a place of love or something, then that usually turns out all right. Yeah. Um, so it's the difference between reacting out of emotion or reacting out of our mental space or our rational mind, right? right. So my sponsor in AA always used to tell me that the longest distance you're ever going to travel in your life is the is the distance between your head and your heart. Okay. So that when you're feeling extreme emotion and you want to act out of that to pause and travel that distance, mm -hmm. go from your heart space now to your head space and work work it out rationally. Mm -hmm. right? um, so you can use it the opposite way too. You know, if yeah. the situation calls for emotion and you're purely intellectualizing it, you can travel from your mental space into the heart space, engage mm -hmm. that compassion, yeah. and then come from that space yeah. too. Yeah. But I think that pause is what's essential in there to do that. So mm -hmm. you said it's difficult to even remind yourself to pause. How, right. do, you, how do you do that? Um, practice, I guess. Mm -hmm. You have to get enough trouble. It's like a skill, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's like a skill, but... You know, that, that constant self-reflection, I have a minute, or, or if I have a lot of minutes, and I sit and think, um, and, you know, my mind tends to turn towards the past. I don't, 
where am I now? How did I get here? And, you know, I, I think about my mistakes a lot. And then sometimes history repeats itself. If this situation or a similar situation arises, I will recognize it hopefully sooner, mm-hmm. um, you know, as it's unfolding. And, you know, in that crucial moment when I, when something is going to trigger me, I can see, you know, before the trigger, hopefully I'll be able to catch it in time to just, just clam up, just, just, you know, clench your jaws. Don't say anything. Don't throw anything. Don't, you know, do whatever reaction it is that you want to do. Because sometimes you can see in your mind what you want to do. It's going to relieve that stress. Sometimes it's a, you know, throw a temper tantrum or whatever it is. Um, when you see that coming on, you know it, experience, and then, you know, just stop. Just so experience for you does it. Like you, after experiencing this over and over, you know mm-hmm. what, what your body is going is doing sure like when that's building sure. you can feel it so you you've gained an awareness or you even mm-hmm. it put some intention behind it to gain some awareness of you know what are some of these body triggers these right. red flags that i can right. feel before the outburst right right to help cue me in to, to make that mm-hmm. switch right, right. So you've recognized those things mm-hmm. that's awesome yeah um you know sometimes <clears throat> going you know medicinal uh Solutions sometimes alter your state. Um, I used to work uh, construction, have my own my own gig building grain bins for farmers in the middle of nowhere, and for years. I remember, you tried to get me to go up there for that. If you do. <laughs> it's a difficult job, and it's hard to find anybody to do it. And so for years, I just had my son. Uh, he started; he was like thirteen, maybe younger. I think he was twelve when his first you know big job, and it's just me and him on some farm, middle of nowhere, and. You know, I can't find anyone to help me, but I need just, you know, I'll do all the hard work. I just need someone to put a bolt through the hole so I can put a nut on it on the inside. You know? mm-hmm. And, you know, the, he's being a kid, and pretty soon you're frustrated. You have a lot of pressure. It's hot. You've been out there for days. Um, and you start, that anger starts building up. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so frustrating. The kid, you know, he doesn't get it, what you're trying to get to him. And pretty soon you want to, I mean, it's just you and this kid out here, and you're trying to put some knowledge into his body, and all these factors, there's so much pressure on you, it's, it's going to come out as an outburst. Mm-hmm. Um, i found that sometimes it's okay to step back, and if you have a, you know, I had a prescription for Adderall at the time, for ADD, um, and if I had one of those, I would take one, and I was able to completely detach from the situation, and for me, I get... Uh, you know, sensations of, of well-being, everything's going to be okay, everything turns positive for me. And I'm able to sit and talk with my son, just, you know, says, hey, let's stop, let's have a bag of Doritos or something, take a break, and then we'll just talk about it like like man to man. Um, sometimes that's, for me, the most effective in certain situations. To, to alter really your conscious. Alter it. Just, yeah. just, it's way better than the alternative. Sure. You know, um, there's lots of different ways to alter. Yeah, I can't right? smoke marijuana, but I can. I got the one long. I don't smoke anything anyway. But I've um, been super depressed in the past. This past, like I said, this past five years have been the most challenging. Um, sometimes I would even say the worst five years of my life. Um, and he is super depressed, and he's like, you know what? I'm just going to do this. You know, it's, um, you feel like you're up against a wall. Everyone's out to get you. Nothing's working. This is horrible. I'm so lonely. Blah 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 blah, and things start getting dangerous. You start having dangerous thoughts. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and it's okay to admit these things. Um, alter. You know, take have an edible, and and go somewhere else for a little while. And when when you come back, you know you've been on a journey. You thought about it. You've been introspective, or or that immediate panic, fight or flight, whatever whatever it's called, that's gone. Now you can think. It's, Think of things more subjectively, and you're not dead now. Sure. You know, you just saved your own life. Yeah. By realizing, you know, I'm not just going to, I don't know, hide every time, you know, behind a pill or something like that, but in emergencies, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Einstein used to have this saying that you can never solve tough problem from the same mindset in which it was created. Oh. Right? So that's all about altering your your consciousness, right? Sure. So you create a problem in your head, whatever that is, Mm -hmm. maybe the problem is depression, right? Mm -hmm. And altering your state of consciousness can certainly help you reapproach that issue from a different frame of mind. And and I've been experiencing that. And I've only been experimenting with uh, altering consciousness this past year. 
And I've been absolutely amazed with the results. Mm-hmm. Well, even as kids, you know, we have this innate drive to alter our consciousness. Um, I don't know if you did this as a kid, but I remember on, on the playground, like spinning myself in circles until yeah. I fall over dizzy, right? Oh, sure, yeah. So, or holding my breath as long as I could and getting <laughs> getting those stars, right? So we have this inborn, you sure. Know, you know, it's it's sort of like a lost tool that that you might as long as you use it as a tool, right? And that's what I was going to bring up too is that some people like to alter their consciousness to escape from it, sure. right? So they'll alter it with with in the wrong way, like with maybe alcohol. Um, or opiates or something, try and just numb out completely, sure, right? Sure. And that's intentional. So you're talking before about intentional good use right, right. of altered consciousness. But right. these people, I'd say, still have intention behind their use, and they genuinely want to stop hurting. Mm-hmm. They want to stop the pain. But it doesn't produce the same sort of lasting yeah. effects. Well, that it becomes more of a about. flight, like an escape, like an right. exodus from themselves, you know? Um, so, yeah, like a you false. Know, false sure, exit. sure. You know, you got friends, you got the, the term pothead. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I don't condone that at all. I have friends that are complete and total potheads, you know? Yeah, I'm a total pothead, dude. Well, well um, <laughs> I would before every jujitsu practice. I, I, I wouldn't consider you a, air quote, you know, stereotypical pothead. Sure. So I just, just, that's all they do. You know, they swear by it. They're, uh, they worship it. you know, they worship it. They, but they don't, you look at their life. They live in their mom's basement. They're in their thirties. They haven't done anything their whole life. Yeah. They smell. They have an excuse for everything, you know, but, oh, this is the greatest stuff ever. Well, but so great. How come your and life... The rest of your life is shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, why you look like a shithead and act like a shithead and, mm. and nobody trusts you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if you use it as a tool, absolutely. But if that's, you know, your your lifestyle, you know, yeah, there's such thing as too much of a good thing. You know, there's too much of something. It's also not the only tool for the job, too, That's right. right. I know absolutely. that I get altered states of consciousness through um, intense workouts. You know, if I'm feeling depressed one day mm-hmm. and I get to the gym and I blow it out, you know, in, in lifts or cardio, mm-hmm. I leave the gym and I'm in a totally different mindset. Absolutely. Totally different Absolutely. Mindset. I reach a different plane. When we went shooting that last time. Yeah. Zombie Canyon. We played Zombie Canyon. <laughs> Fun with automatic weapons. <laughs> um, you know, we did so much running. And, and as you know, I have a, a collapsed lung. It's been collapsed for several years. Um, it was very difficult for me and very painful. But at the end of our runs, I felt that euphoria. You know, I just, all that, you know, I guess when the pain wears off, it felt really good. Yeah. Um, you know, and I have, and, and I, I'm ashamed, I guess, I don't know. It's embarrassing. I have such a low tolerance, a low threshold for pain. Very low. I feel everything. Mm. Um, I, I can hear things. I can I can sense things. I can smell things. Like my nerves, my my senses are heightened. Has it always been that way? Yeah. Okay. And Before it's, your military experience. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything's difficult for me. Um, you know, but I, I push through usually, but, you know, there's always that, that anxiety before before a workout, before going into, you know, jiu-jitsu or MMA. Um, I have to overcome a, a mountain of anxiety because I know it's going to hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, I look around, everybody else seems to be having a good time, but for me, everything is amplified, magnified. Mm-hmm. Um, but once I push through that, I can get that euphoria or that altered state or, you know, I just feel better that, you know, I was like, wow, that, that wasn't a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, why, you know, why was I so anxious about that? Mm-hmm. Um, and then sometimes of course <laughs> I get reminded of why it hurts, mm-hmm. you know, well, even if you think about growth in general, growth itself is an altered state. So, sure, sure. um, you know, if we're growing physically, we're gaining more muscle, we're mm-hmm. altering our physical oh, state. Definitely right? reward, definitely reward, you know, they say no pain, no gain. That is so true, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's mental, emotional, or physical. Yeah. You know, sometimes you got to experience the bad, you know, to fully appreciate the good. It's another reason why I like psychedelic work is because it forces you to face some of the tough challenges, the tough internal work that mm-hmm. we usually try and avoid throughout the day. Mm-hmm. And a lot of time in psychedelic experiences, you can't, you can't run away from your own mind. Sure. You know, so sure. you're forced to face it, but... During those challenging experiences, which some people call a bad trip, I don't think there is a bad trip, but right. I come out of those challenging experiences almost having better outcomes than I would if it was like a totally laid back, Absolutely. easy experience. Absolutely. Right? In fact, my second my second time uh, trying the, the mushroom, it was I was trying to escape from a horrible emotional state. Someone had hurt me terribly and uh, had, I guess, what you would call a bad trip. But when I woke up, you know, the next day, and when, um, it was at night and it was in the dark and, you know, it was scary. Mm-hmm. 
at the time. Um, very intense at least. And at the time, as I was seeing all these negative things, well, the next day I realized, you know, these negative things, um, you know, there's just people without their masks on and I could see them now more clearly. Like, mm-hmm. oh, that's what this person is. Okay, okay, you know, this person's a, I had to use, you know, negative words, you know, a parasite mm-hmm. or a predator. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I saw You can see their intention. I can see it. them. Yeah, there's one person I could see uh, as a spider, a big, a big spider that just, you know, enjoyed exploiting everything around it. And, you know, it was scary at the time, but the next day I was like, wow, that person's a spider. Huh. I'll be, mm-hmm. you know, so yeah, I came out, you know, way more ahead than if, um, you know, I hadn't used them or if it had been a more of a positive, I think, air quotes trip. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it was definitely beeneficial. Yeah. For sure. That's so, awesome. Yeah. I, I was amazed. Like, wow. You know, yeah, those, I, those are those forced conversations with the mind. It sort of like mm-hmm. reminds me of like when um, two kids are fighting and the parents are like, you two are going to sit here yeah. until you work it out. Right. <laughs> and yeah. it's forced, right? Right. And somebody's watching, you know, that's sort of what a psychedelic trip is. Yeah. Yeah. My brother and I were fighting one time when we were kids. My yeah. dad's like, well, that's it. You guys can start punching each other right now. You need to hit him in the face right now. And instead of hitting my brother, I, I you know, I started crying. I hugged him. He's like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what I thought. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So you're right. Absolutely right. You got to sit there and, you know, we avoid these things. Mm. A lot of bad things in our life, we just avoid thinking about it, avoid doing anything about it. What do you think most people avoid? I think it's based in fear. Yeah. Yeah, fear, inconvenience. Um, and, you know, is that fear admitting that maybe you're the wrong the wrong party or that you've been wrong, mm. you know, admitting, uh, admitting something. Because that's uh, somehow a shot to your pride. Yeah. Or yeah. to your status. Yeah, yeah. Some people can never admit they've done wrong. They will never apologize for something. That's like most, probably in their mind, the, you know, the, their biggest fear is to admit that they're wrong somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and even to yourself in private, in your own mind, if you have to admit that you're wrong somehow, I mean, some, some horrible thing in their world. Mm-hmm. And I guess that would be my answer. That's what I think maybe most people are afraid of is just admitting that they're wrong. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to say that you're, you know, I'm wrong. Screwed up. It's not a big deal. Life goes on. You learn from it. Yeah, I know if someone has wronged me and they come to me and tell me, you know, I was wrong. Oh, I yeah. have way more respect Absolutely. for Absolutely. Than if they keep it to themselves or if they refuse to mm-hmm. apologize. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one, uh, one of the things I, I can't stand hearing is, well, I'm sorry you feel that way. You know, you catch someone dead to rights just stomping all over, you know, your, your emotions, <clears throat> you know, exploiting you or just being insulting. And like, hey, you know, you did this or you said that. Like, I, you know, like, even in the moment, like they can't twist the story around later on. Like, hey, like, oh, well, I'm sorry you feel that way. Mm-hmm. Oh, now it's on, sucker. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah, there's a lot of people. There's way too many people out there. I think that just can't admit they've done anything wrong. And that statement is so, um, sorry to interrupt, but yeah. that, that statement is so, it's deep. It's a deep one. You know, yeah. when someone says, I'm sorry you feel that way, right? Yeah. Because initially, like, I totally see your point of view. Like, someone says that to you, it gets under your skin, right? Like, yeah. you're just placing the blame back on me, yeah. right? Yeah. But from a Buddhist perspective, um, all of our suffering that we feel is of our own cause. So that's what the Buddhists would say. So they would say, if you're unhappy, mm-hmm. it's not because of anybody else or what they did. It's because you chose to feel unhappy. That you can choose to feel happy or, or content or compassionate in any situation. Um, that you know, so so there's some truth to that statement. A but maybe bit. that's why it stings so to much. To a point. To a point. Yeah. You know what? I grew up. My father. He's uh, he's a, a narcissistic personality disorder, and also he's a, a sociopath. So some of the things he would do, there's no way I could say, well, I just chose, like, he beat my pet cat to death in front of me sure. with a, you know, a, an extension handle for a paint roller, like this wooden thing. He broke my cat in half. I was still alive. Mm. You know, I, there's no way you can say, well, I chose to feel bad right. in that situation, you know? Um, and of course that's just one example of a million, trillion, zillion things. That, you know, he just does, he, you know, a person like that, um, you know, they get off on causing pain discomfort and making you uncomfortable, making you feel stupid, you know, um, you know, situations like that, um, you know, it's unfair to yourself to say, well, you know, it's up to me to just be okay with whatever just happened to me, mm-hmm. you know, um, especially as a child as you're, as you're growing up and later on you say, okay, now, now I can control how I react to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm just not going to talk to that person anymore. I'm not going to feed into it. I'm not going to condone it. 
Um, but I'm also not going to uh, let it take over my mind and all of my emotions and all of my, you know, all the real estate in my mind. Yeah. I'm going to concentrate on some other things. I'm just going to let that, you know, be back there. But I'm not going to give it any more attention than I've already given it because it's not fair to me anymore. I need to concentrate on positive things. I have my own map, my own compass, my own journey. Um, you know, things like that. Then, you know, you just let it go. That's part of that of. evaluation process, I think, too, is, is leaving things behind that no longer serve you. Yeah. You know, and and opening yourself. You know, we can't we can't open ourselves up to becoming a new person until we let go of who we used to be. Sure. Right? Sure. So we gotta let go of like some of these these things that that have traveled with us our whole life. Right. In order to open ourselves up to sure. to a new way of being. Sure. To, you know, and I, I talk about uh, this with my clients with value systems, right? So our value a lot of people's values are based off of things they were taught when they were kids. From their teachers, their priests, their parents, the TV, and that's how their value systems were established, or sure. their moral compass. Sure. And then they get into adulthood, and they're they're still in this automatic pattern mm-hmm. that society has shaped for them, and they wonder why they're not happy. Right. But they're not living to their own values. And sure. So in my final fulfillment, right, it's so important. My treatment with people, I have them list out all the values that they find important, and then identify which ones are your values. Which ones are your parents' values? Which ones are your pastor's values? Sure, sure. Which ones of those other people's values yeah. are still valuable? Do you want to hold on to? Which ones can you do without now? Sure. And now, now's yeah, a good time yeah. to, to wipe that slate. You know, people don't know Start that they over. have that agency over themselves. Sure. It's part of that self-evaluation sure. process. Yeah, sure. Right. Yeah, I recently asked someone I was struggling with. Uh, I said, you know, if I ask you one question, will you answer it? And she said, Yeah. I said, uh, well, I said, what is the most important thing in the world to you? If someone came along and says, you can have this one thing, you know, whether it's a situation or, you know, whatever it is, it doesn't have to be an object, you know, but what's the most important thing in the world to you? Couldn't answer. She couldn't answer or refused to answer. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you boil it all down, what's like the one thing that you want above all else? And I think that's a question we should all ask ourselves. Mm-hmm. What's the one thing, you know, at the top of the list? Tippy tippy top. What, would it, be? what yeah. would it be for you? Me, it's easy. Um, you know, I want to be madly in love with someone who's madly in love with me. Mm. After that, everything else is just whatever. So you want yeah. that? You want reciprocity of, of sure, love and affection. Sure, sure. A loyal um, companion. Right, and, and I'm not talking about just you know like you know boyfriend, girlfriend, sexual whatever. You know, like, like a fellow warrior, someone right. you know I'm willing to die next to you, defending whatever, defending each other. You know, um, that. You know, the bond, the bond, a soulmate, whatever. It doesn't have to be a sexual thing. It's it just just that soul, right? You know, we see eye to eye. I know what you're thinking. You know what I'm thinking. You know, and, you know that, that total trust. Also, I think that's why you and I bonded right away too. Yeah. You know, I was one of the first, one of your first gym members, I think. Yeah, you were when you first moved. Yeah, in. yeah, yeah. One of the first ten at least. <laughs> yeah, and so um, you know, from the beginning, we've been forming that and. Just right off Speaking the of which, when's the last time you paid your dues? <laughs> oh, I haven't lifted here in a while. Yeah, so um, anyway, you know, we, we build that bond Absolutely. with other people too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's most important to you. I think if I asked myself that same question, I'd have to sit and think about it for a while. You know, mm-hmm. what is most important to me in this in this life? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it would be to do more good in the world than I do harm. Sure. So to put in put in deposits into this good bank account sure. and, and try and withdraw as little mm-hmm. as possible. Try and take as little from the collective as possible and right. give as much. Right, absolutely. absolutely. I think that, that would probably be the, the that definitely one. helps and it, and it goes towards uh, fulfillment. We touched on it just for a second. Mm-hmm. And having that fulfillment and that's probably the most um, most important thing in anyone's life to feel fulfilled. You know, uh, you could be a, a zillionaire and serve only yourself, but at the end of the day, you're like, man, you know, people, people don't like me because of my money, and you know, I have, I can do whatever the hell I want to do in the world. But nobody wants to do it with me no because I'm miserable. <laughs> right, right. You know, I just, I just been living for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you start helping others, then, I mean, for I think ninety percent of people out there, you'll find a massive amounts of fulfillment in that. You know, mm-hmm. something that's greater than yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I try and tell people that, especially having a hard time. Like, 
find something that you find fulfilling and do that. You know, that question, you know, what's the most important thing in the world to you? If someone comes back with an, with a, an object, a noun, you know, say, oh, man, if I could just have like a 60-pound. Bugatti. I want yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I want that car. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ferrari. If I had this Ferrari, my life would be perfect. Um, so, well, all right. Or the then, perfect wife or the perfect house. It could be anything. Yeah, if it's an object, um, you're asking for it. You yeah. Know, and I think you've you got, you're, you got a long ways to go on your journey before you can, can wake up and say, hey, I'm an enlightened. Right, that tells you a lot about someone if they tell you that, right? Yeah. They could be an immature soul or they could yeah. just be yeah. surface or, level or, or about, skin deep. Or to hurt someone, you know. So the most important thing is this person did this. I just want to get revenge on them. Yeah. Um, like, well, you know, so you can have a lot of answers to that. Um, but, you know, if we're going to consider ourselves enlightened beings or someone that's on the path to enlightenment, you're going to want to choose something that's positive. Right. So speaking towards this, you know, this idea of giving back, Mm-hmm. into the collective i know that you do a lot of um, charity work mm-hmm. you do a lot of overseas work i think in the ukraine right yeah. in the ukraine um you go over there on a consistent basis and help out orphans yeah. um it reminds me of if, if any of you listeners have seen this movie machine gun preacher um with gerard butler it's pretty awesome but uh that's what it reminds me of when aaron tells me of, of what he does over there and he sends back pictures and you know he's in full battle dress gear because that's uh that's rough territory over there there's mm. still wars going on yeah. there's still people being shot and yeah aaron goes over there and, and scoops up these orphan kids um victims of the war you know collateral damage and, and tries to give them a chance tries to give them an opportunity to to make something out of this decimation can you speak speak to the work you do over there and, and the motivation behind it why, why yeah. do you do that well Part of that collective that you're talking about, you know, I'm a natural problem solver. At least I, I think I am. Uh, I see problems and I want to try and fix them. That's standard issue Marine Corps. I guess. <laughs> I guess, right. Um, and when it comes to the kids, uh, you know, like, like last year, I spent $5,000 of money that wasn't mine or money that I didn't have, I guess. You can say I'm in debt now. Um, and, you know, I just wanted to... Uh, the whole goal is to get these kids to meet people who will interact with them and try to enrich their lives, whether it's a baby or a kid who's growing up. You know, someone's going to be there for them, like a baby that's going to hold them, you know, that isn't being paid to hold them. Um, yeah, because it, it's a totally different feeling. It's a different, yeah, yeah, it's all in the ballgame. So I'll, I was trying to get as many Ukrainian volunteers to go with me to the orphanages and just interact with the kids, play, you know, hold the babies. Um, you know, play with, uh, you know, the older kids, I say older, I mean, you know, three, four, five years old, um, you know, uh, get more people involved that otherwise weren't, now it's on their radar. And once they you know, see these kids, like, oh my God, these kids are so wonderful. And you get such a positive feeling because, you know, kids are so they're happy little creatures, you know, for the most part. How do these kids come to you? Um, what do you mean? Like, are they orphaned because their parents were killed in, in more, more that, time? Or, uh, most, they they're uh, mostly orphaned because... They abandoned? Yeah, abandoned. There's a lot of uh, drug and alcohol abuse over there, poverty. So a lot of times they have family. They might have parents. Um, they just can't take care of them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they have the orphanage system over there. And Here's my kid. Thanks. Bye. Right. No questions asked. And there's you know, hundreds, and th- hundreds of thousands of them. Ukraine, but all around the world, there's we got them here in our own country. Resilience, yeah, yeah. You know, we have a slightly different system. We have our foster system, and it definitely has its flaws. Um, but yeah, I just go go see the kids, and, and I I've seen the orphan kids from newborn all the way to high school age, and they live in that orphan system. And the thing is, once the uh, uh, they age out, they're 16, 17, 18, depending on where they're at, uh, they're just kicked out. Bye, mm-hmm. thanks, see ya. And they're like, now what? Yeah, right. So the big problem is, you know, the problems and solutions, um, trying to, you know, if they just had a friend on the outside that wasn't in that system, someone that maybe they've been interacting with for years, I mean, that's the goal is to get as many people to volunteer. That way it's not corruptible. There's no money involved, you know. If we had an orphanage here and then, you know, some guy came along and said, hey, can, you know, make friends with you and me and said, hey, come with me to the orphanage. And you know, it's a lot of fun. The kids are cool. And we went and like, oh, my God, you're right. And then that guy leaves. But now you and I are still visiting that same orphanage in our hometown or whatever. Next thing you know, those kids, 
they're going to be older. We're going to be older by the time they age out. They'll have a friend that can at least give them some good advice, maybe sure. a place to crash, whatever. So it's like a mentoring, yeah. Absolutely. So it get as many as many mentors out there as possible. Um, uh, you know, that way these kids don't get scooped up. It's like what eighty five percent end up as uh, in prostitution, human trafficking, or just criminals. You have no idea what to do next, and the mafia and all the negative out there just soaks them right up. Yeah, you know, if you're lost, Big Bad Wolf is going to get you. Yeah, so you talk about this mentorship role, and that's another piece of the hero's journey, right? Um, in the in the initial stages of the hero's journey, it says that it's essential that we find a mentor of some kind, mm-hmm. and that can be a physical mentor, a father figure, whatever, mm-hmm. or it can be people that we read about, Socrates, Plato, maybe to help us guide our moral compass, right? inspiring people but for those kids it's you know and a lot of people too i feel like they don't have that mentor in their life you know and and that can cause people to feel lost on their journey Mm -hmm. you know they don't have someone to guide them through it i see this in addiction all the time so sure people are are stuck in the addiction and when they come out of the addiction they just don't know how to lead a sober life right and so as as a counselor as a mentor um even through sponsorship and 12-step programs, that's our role is to teach people, this is how you lead a sober life now. Like, right. let me help guide you right. through this journey right. So and give you the tools that you need in order to succeed, sure. right? in order to not feel lost right. anymore. And that's what you're doing over there with those kids. That, that's what I'm trying to do. Um, that's like the main, main focus. And it's, you know, you're not going to measure that for another 20 years. You know, if everything was going full tilt and I had millions of dollars, you know, I st- you still won't be able to measure your success for another, you know, 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the idea, and I you know that's just what they need. Is there a way that, pe- that listeners might be able to contribute to your cause? Is there yeah. like a website? Well, I, have, I have a GoFundMe set up. Okay. And uh, it's a War Zone Orphan Rescue Project. Okay, War Zone Orphan Rescue Project. Yeah. On GoFundMe. GoFundMe, and you can help. find it on Facebook. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm more than happy to take your donation, and, and I... So when I, you know, I add it to the money I already have, and once I hit about five grand, we go again. So those of you who do want to donate, um, Aaron, while he's over there overseas, constantly is posting pictures on Facebook, so you can see, you know, where your donation money is going to directly. You see the state of the orphanages. You see, you know, that Aaron is is li- living a subsistence lifestyle over there. Yeah. You know, he's not living large over no, there. No, no. Um, so you get to see where your money goes, and you know, in a, in a time when you know, we give donations to a lot of different causes, and we never see where it right. actually goes. Right. This is one of those causes where you really get to see where every, yeah. every single dollar goes, right. and you, you get that dopamine rush. You get that feel-good feeling <laughs> right. because now you're a part of it. Absolutely. You know, you're, yeah. you're an essential part. Yeah. Um, so you said, you know, you won't be able to tell the results for another 20 years you once these kids get out. But yeah. while you're over there being an American – English-speaking person, you don't speak much um, of their language over there. How do you connect with people in the villages and stuff to get them to want to volunteer? Like, because we all have again back to this conversations with the mind. We all have this mental yeah. capacity, this yeah. consciousness. Yeah. But different cultures view consciousness differently and interact sure. and bond differently. Sure. So, how do you manage to? Well, it's not easy. That? It's incredibly difficult. Um, you know, first, I have to find an interpreter. I have to hire him. Mm-hmm. Um, this last this last go around. The guy that I had, unfortunately, he wasn't the sharpest tool in the shed. <laughs> mm-hmm. Even if his English was perfect, uh, he still he was a challenging to, to deal with. You know, he didn't know why he didn't couldn't understand why I was there. He, he thought I was wasting my time. Um, I, was like, I didn't want. You know, I don't need your advice, bud. I know what I'm trying to do. He, he just didn't. He's hard to deal with. And then he's my interpreter. I'm trying to get good intentions across. So someone who didn't believe in what I was doing, you know, didn't believe it was possible. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, you know, he, he understands, yeah, helping kids is good, but, you know, it's like, ah, you're wasting your time, blah, blah, blah. Um, and his English was bad. But it's the best I can come up with. It's incredibly difficult. But mm-hmm. we still, you know, people see my intentions, you know, they see him, they see me. Um, I think we sometimes we can, we can uh, feel the other person's intentions, mm-hmm. you know, or where their heart is. Um, so you find ways to communicate non-verbally, too? Non-verbally, you know, I, I just... He's trying to be as pleasant as possible and sincere and serious. You know, I'm serious. This is what we're here to do. You know, if you want to help, help. If you don't, don't. Um, uh, and People they, respond to that. Yeah. Um, 
and, and being in other countries, you know, being an American kind of makes you a mini celebrity for a minute. Mm. You know, you're a novelty. Like, oh, what's, what are you doing? Like, why are you coming to Ukraine? It's, you know, it's a great place to start. You know, if you're going to, you know, my overall goal is to have an international uh, foundation that, and this is what we do. You know, we try and encourage and uh, encourage people to volunteer, you know, volunteerism and fundraising and trying to find paid mentors, you know, mm. like, uh, uh, you know, go to a town and you find some, uh, uh, you know, like, what do these kids need? Okay, so the girls need this, boys need that. But maybe we can find some paid mentors, like uh, hairdressers or something, you know, and say, hey, look, you're going to go to the orphanage and you're going to, you know, we'll pay you to, to do the girls' hair. And also the older ones, they're going to learn how to be a hairdresser. Maybe mm -hmm. you can teach them. Yoga instructor, you want to teach, you know, these, you know, these young adults how to be a yoga, you know, whatever they want to do or someone in culinary uh, we'll find someone who, uh, you know, maybe owns their own restaurant or, or you know, works at a restaurant. They're really good at what they do. And if their hearts are open to helping kids, we will pay you, you know, for your troubles to go to the orphanages and whatever, you know. And, of course, it's Teach not for Yeah, you know, if any little kids wants to, or not little kids, but, you know, whatever ages they are, wants to participate, then, you know, yeah, now you're, now we're paying for these mentors, um, you know, I want to be as big as UNICEF someday, mm -hmm. or bigger, and more effective, mm -hmm. and, and, and watch these statistics go down, you know, 85% goes into prostitution and drugs and, and gets caught up in human trafficking, you know, you'll be able to measure it pretty soon or after a while, and, and of course it has to go down, you know, these kids get out, they have a direction, they're not lost, mm -hmm. like uh, a fish in the ocean, once it, it gets injured, other fish can sense that. A shark, here comes the shark. Sure. Or, you know, uh, certain animals, um, like say rats, if one is sick or injured, the other ones, the other rats are going to eat them. Right. Humans are kind of the same way. If you're lost, here come the human rats, the human predators. They can, I think they can sense it. They can feel it. Here, here it comes, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so when these kids maybe get out of their orphanage uh, and they're not lost, well, the predators can't find them mm -hmm. because they don't have that, that little injury or whatever. I don't know. And that predator behavior that you're talking about when, when people can sense someone's damage and they go mm -hmm. after it. Yeah. You know, part of me sees that that's probably in our evolutionary biology to do something like that, mm -hmm. eliminate the weak, you know, strong mm -hmm. will survive. And then my higher self kicks in and says, you know, what would the Dalai Lama do? You know, he, he would go and find the people that right. – that are like that and uh, because they need it the most. They need the help the most. They need um, right. the transformation more yeah. than someone well, else. Once they've transformed and now they're healthy or, or whatever, they're you know, once they're a whole, now they're contributing and they're more value to you now. Sure. You know, as opposed, you know, unless you're a, a true predator, whatever, like say you're working for the mafia or whatever, you just need to fill, fill brothels with bodies. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so do you think there's a point where someone can go too far into... The, the negative actions to the or to, to a point where they don't have any um, you can't save them anymore yeah you can't save them like anymore evil or yeah. whatever yeah absolutely you think so absolutely absolutely you know and I have a good friend uh, and if you, know, you, you listeners out there you want to you want to see a good charity and, and you want to see it right in front of your face you know unfolding for your eyes uh, veterans for child rescue um, veterans the letter the number four child rescue there's a man Craig Sawyer goes by Sawman, former Navy SEAL, former Marine. Um, they go out and they uh, they hunt down uh, child predators, you know, uh, pedophiles, and they save kids from these pedophiles. They set up, they work with law enforcement, they do their own thing, and they're they're growing across like, 124 cities right now. Hmm. Um, look that guy up, you know. If anything else, if you're not into contributing, it's great entertainment. You've seen this guy, you know, and his his partners take these guys down. It's it's soap opera unfolding. What's it called again? Veterans for Child Rescue. Veterans for Child Rescue. Is that yeah. dot org or dot com? Uh, I think it's dot com. Okay. Um, and it's definitely a, a nonprofit. Um, he's in Thailand right now. He was over in Cambodia, Thailand, because he got um, these uh, um, sexual tourism, where it's not illegal in some countries. There's no such thing as, uh, you know, pedophilia because it's just everything's legal mm -hmm. so we have people from over here and in fact there's one doctor they confronted him he's a doctor you go over there and go in these remote villages and pay to have sex with the children um wow. yeah so there's a lot of that well here in, is in tucson i think it's in tucson arizona recently they found a prison uh, air quotes 
prison where they, these guys would take these children um, and keep them out in a remote area and just rape them until whenever. And the kids were living in a septic tank that mm. they converted into a cell. And all the trees around there had uh, some kind of um, uh, bondage device, restraints. Um, they found all kinds of stuff. So they busted this spring. Uh, they found the, the camp. It's like a sex rape camp. Mm -hmm. They found the camp with nobody in it, so they moved the kids. Mm. Uh, they didn't find the people doing it, but they found the camp, and that's exactly, you know, that's exactly what was happening. Sure, and that's what these guys do, these vets do. Is they yeah, yeah. hunt those type of people down. They'll hunt them down, and they set traps online. You know, they pose as kids, and then they get the law enforcement involved. And I'm sure they're doing some stuff that uh, law enforcement doesn't need to know about. Sure. Um, you know, I, vigilantism, I'm all, I'm all for that. Yeah, we've had our conversations about yeah. vigilante. You know, I mean, what's right is right, what's wrong is wrong, sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I don't need permission from you to do something that's right or to stop somebody that's wrong. Right. You know, morally, you know, we have laws that are, uh, you know, not necessarily moral. And, you know, what's moral? You know, saving kids from a predator? Yeah, that's, you know, and if a predator, like you said, some people are beyond beyond help, you know, different than a rabid dog walking down the street. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to... Yeah, put it out of its misery. Put out of its misery, or, 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 or some, in some way, take away their capacity to keep hurting others. Sure. You know? Yeah, I've heard of, like, um, forced, forced castration. There's that. Like that. Um, a friend of mine was saying that... Uh, Chemical. There, well, there was a guy who um, is a pedophile, and some of the guys that he, you know, the, the kids who had grown up, they got together... And they uh, they took him and they they burned his hands with the burners on the stove and they took him out in the field and beat the living piss out of this guy. They never saw him again. They didn't kill him. Mm -hmm. but they gave him such a beating. He's probably never going to do that again. Yeah. You know, whatever it is, I don't sure. know. That's my vote. But sure, whatever. Yeah, I highly condone violence <laughs> towards these type of people. Yeah. Um, and that's okay. You know, I'm the kind of guy that would. You know, yeah. I have these pictures on my phone. Uh, of uh, throughout history in different war zones, you have soldiers that are you know, got a rifle in one hand and a baby in the other, you know. Mm -hmm. And I looked at these are my personal heroes. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of great, you know, great photos out there you can find. The people that you strive to live up to, right? That right, idea. you know, yeah. you know, there's a great one, uh, you know, from the Vietnam War. You have, uh, you know, a guy on a machine gun laying down some fire, and coming towards him is, is one of his fellow soldiers um, carrying a baby. Or carrying uh, or two babies or something out of a burning you know hut, mm -hmm. and uh, you know just rescuing these kids and you know fighting, you know killing with one hand, saving with the other, literally, mm -hmm. you know. And it's I think we should all start to be a little bit like that. Yeah, I agree. Place. I agree. So I mean, you're doing that overseas. Um, how do you bring that home with you? And we only have like two minutes left. But how do you bring that home? And how do you try and affect change in your local community? Well, just having conversations like this with people and trying mm -hmm. to get involved. Um, you know, I'd love to have people and people like, oh man, I really want to get involved with that and say, okay, well, help me with a fundraiser or something like that. And line goes dead. Right. Yeah. You have, <laughs> you know, you have it's that, so hard. To you have a bouncy cast business too. So yeah. I know yeah. that you like to spread the joy to the kids with that. Yeah. Yeah. Bouncy you know, cast. try to do the bouncy castles and, uh, we'll be doing snow cones hopefully here before too long. And I've been doing Christmas trees over the years. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, you contribute to a lot of people's happiness. Try to. And that's one of the reasons why I think. Kelly and I like you so much is because you're, you're a really genuine, um, good-hearted person. It's right is right. Yeah, but it's it's rare. It's rare in this world, you know, to find people like you. So Thanks. Uh, we appreciate you for sure. I appreciate saying that. Mm -hmm. Well, um, it was great having you on the podcast today. Thank you for taking the, the oh, hour out. I'm to, flattered to, to be here. Yeah, to have a conversation with me and with our audience. Um Again, um, for the audience members, uh, we'll be back with episode three in the coming weeks. Um, please subscribe. Uh, our podcast is now um, available on almost every format. Um, so much more to come. And if you have any requests for guests or you know anybody who might uh, like to be a guest on our show, please don't hesitate to shoot me a message um, through the podcast venues. Again, you can find us at www.mindops.com. That's M-I-N-D hyphen O-P-S dot com. Um, this has been Aaron Molnar and Shane Lamaster with Conversations of the Mind signing out for episode two. All right. Thank Say you. Say goodbye. All right. Bye-bye. See you, everybody.